Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you once again for who you are and how you work in this world and in our lives. And I pray today, Lord, that as we talk more about what it means to be chosen, to be chosen by you, uh, may, may your spirit guide and lead us to see more fully how you work in our lives and how you call us to share that with others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Last week, we kicked off this series uh, called Chosen, and we talked about this simple concept that's really beautiful, that you are chosen by God, that God chooses you, and he chooses you to be a part of his family. And if you remember from last week, we looked at Psalm 139 and went through most of the verses, and we saw these incredible things about who our God is, as the psalmist describes in Psalm 139, saying that God sees you, that that God is present everywhere, including Mars, if you were with us last week, right? That he is creator of all. And that he is all just. And as he, as that is who he is, he still chooses you and me through Jesus. And so today, what we're going to lean in on is the second part of his choosing. That we are chosen for his purpose. You and I are chosen for his, for God's purpose. Uh, when I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, I had a coworker. His name was Will. And he told me this story that I've never forgotten. It's really kind of an interesting story that just uh, illuminated something else for him. Uh, he was saying that the next day after this event happened, we were hanging out at work, and, and he's like, dude, Dave, I got to tell you what happened to me yesterday. He was coming home from work, uh, and as he was driving home, he noticed that his car was low on gas. So he went to the gas station. Whoa. Right? And as he was at the gas station, um, he was filling up his car, and, uh, and he was kind of just like thinking about cleaning off his windshield and, you know, that typical stuff that you do. And, and he noticed that there was a guy who was moving from every person and having about a 20-second conversation and just making his way around the gas station. Anybody have an idea what this guy was doing? He was asking for money. Somebody said it in the front right away. Yeah. He was asking for money, right? Making his way. Ever had that happen to you before where you're standing there and you're just like, oh gosh, I hope he doesn't see me. He's not going to come over here. Some of y'all don't want to laugh, but it's true, right? And, and so Will noticed that this guy came forward to him and he had the whole spiel, right? That he hadn't eaten all day and, and he was really hungry and he's been out of work for a long time. And, and Will looked in his wallet before the guy came over and, and he noticed that he had like 20 bucks. And he was like, you know what? feeling gracious today, like I'll be able to give this to him. So he gave him $20 and said, sure, go get something to eat. 
So the guy went inside to the convenient mart at the gas station and Will was uh, still filling up his car, finished filling it up with gas, puts it back on the little station thing, gets in his car, he's about to go home, he checks his cell phone and notices that his wife had texted him saying, Will, before you come home, please grab some milk, we're out of milk from home. And he's like, man, good thing I looked at my phone. So uh, he gets out of his car real quick, rushes into the convenient mart, pulls out some milk, a gallon of milk, and he gets to the cashier. And all of a sudden, he reaches for his pockets, and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> Where's my wallet? He remembered that he had left his wallet in, in his car. And that guy that he had helped was standing in line behind him. And as he's about to leave to go out to his car, that guy steps out in front of him and sticks his chest out proudly and says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. <laughs> Will's like, yeah, bro, you're paying for my milk with my money. Thanks. And in this moment, what Will was saying is that this is a better understanding as we're reflecting on this of what grace really truly looks like. I want you to see here in Ephesians, Paul, the author here, is writing about this beautiful gift of grace and that we are chosen by God, but that does something in our lives. Paul here, the author, writes of two corrections and, and one guidance that we see in this small little three verses that are just so important for us to understand. Notice here this first correction that Paul points out. In Ephesians 2.8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. What, what Paul's writing about is this first correction that we need to understand, that we are chosen not by our works. Well, what, what this means is that God chooses us not because we showed up today at church. God chooses us because of Jesus and what he has done for us. And this goes so contrary to the way things work in our world. It kind of reminded me of anybody, if you're an old WWF fan, Hulk Hogan used to talk about, eat your vitamins, say your prayers, eat your vegetables, and be a true American, right? Like, to be a real American, you had to do these things. It's a beautiful picture, by the way, right? But, but for us as followers of Jesus, what Paul is saying is, it's not by your works that you're a follower, that you're a part of the family. And this is really important. Paul's making this distinction here of two things that I think that we often just lump together because they're deep theological words. What Paul is saying is that grace and faith here are different things. Grace being this noun, it is Jesus. It is who our God is. It is this thing that God has done for us through his son, Jesus. We are saved by that grace. And as a result, we live, we receive that grace through faith. That it gives us a new lens now of how we look at this world. That as chosen people, we live now by faith that we trust in our God. 
See, Paul first is correcting this idea that you're not saved by the things that you've done in your past, but he goes to the next verse. In verse nine, he says this, not a result of works so that no one may boast. The the next thing that Paul is saying here is that you're chosen not through your works either. You're not chosen by your greatest intentions. You're not chosen by the future actions that you're going to do. I was explaining to somebody earlier today, like Saturday night, Gretchen and I, we went out last night uh, and had a nice meal, but I ate way too much. I am feeling it today, all right? I am not chosen now by my future action of today, I am going to fast and not eat anything, right? Because of my best intentions. Paul is saying, you're not chosen, you're not a part of that because of your future plans and the things that you are going to do. This is really important. In fact, Martin Luther, a theologian, said it this way. He said it that that we need to be saved from our good works. This is really important. We need to be saved from our good works as well. Because too often we will look at our future intentions or we'll give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. And what Luther is saying is that that's not what salvation is about. It ain't about you. It's about Jesus, what he has done for us. It is a gift that has been given to us. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. There's been a lot of ink that's been spilled over these three verses But what's kind of interesting is is to think about what is the this referring to here that Paul is saying? Is it referred to grace? Is it referring to faith? And I would argue, and others have argued as well, that the this is referring to all of what we're reading in Ephesians chapter 2. Hear these words again that Kate read for us this morning. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead in our works, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This is incredible news. What Paul is saying is that you and I were dead. And we been made alive through the death and resurrection of our God, Jesus. This is good news, our God being rich in mercy and in grace. Now, if you're with us last week, you might be saying, this kind of sounds like you're repeating yourself, Pastor Dave. Do you remember what you talked about? Yes, I do. But I need us to see that Paul here in these three verses makes these two important corrections in order for us to understand what we need to do. These things hold together. Notice here these challenging and beautiful words of verse 10. The next words of Paul. He says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Four good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. 
hear this today. You are saved by grace. You are chosen, not by works, and you are not chosen through your future intentions, but you are chosen to do good works because we are God's workmanship, something that God is continuing to work on us. It's interesting, this word workmanship has been translated many different ways. What Paul's trying to get at is that you are God's beautiful poem. You are God's beautiful song. You are God's beautiful statue that he will continue to chisel and make more and more beautiful. He is working on us through grace. He continues to work on us and to make us more like him which is what our mission is, to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Not that we have long flowing hair and a beard, but that we know more of who he is and how he acts in this world. And God will continue to chisel. God will continue to work on your heart. God will continue through his spirit to remind us again and again that we are chosen to do good works in this world. Which is kind of interesting. Somebody wrote it this way. They said that as, as the sun was created to shine and as the rose give forth its delightful fragrance and as the bird is called to fly, so we are created to do good works and thus glorify him who created us. In Christ Jesus, we are God's workmanship. He continues to work on us. Not that we should boast about that, but because of his grace. You might be saying there's some questions that can arise from this, though. Like, okay, well, what do you mean by good works? What, what exactly does that look like? What does that mean? Luther would go on to say this. He would say that if we want to understand what is a good work, it's a litmus test for us. Three things that we need to identify. He says this, does it follow what God says? Does it fall into his word? Does God speak on these things? Does it glorify God? Does it bring greater glory to who our God is? And the third and important one here is, does it serve your neighbor? Does it bring benefit to your neighbor? You want to know what a good work is? Run through these three questions. Does it follow what God says? Does it glorify God? Does it serve your neighbor? And, and when you hear this, maybe you're thinking of like, oh man, does this mean that I only listen to Christian music and support Christian-owned businesses? No, that's not all that we're saying here. See, what Luther would go on to say is that that in the callings that we have, in the many different callings that we do have, that leads us to glorifying God, to doing what he says and serving our neighbor inside of those callings. So, So simply, as an employee, you glorify God by showing up on time. You glorify God by thinking of more than just yourself especially in a world that just loves to step over others. You glorify God by uplifting the other. 
in your calling as a spouse or as a friend. This means that you serve the other, that the relationship that you have brings glory and honor to God because you take his word seriously. And I know we have some students here as spring break is approaching and as those papers are piling up, you glorify God by by doing your work by not just taking something and plagiarizing, but doing the work and glorifying him in the calling that he has given you because this is what it means to do good, knowing who our God is. Now, one other question here, though. You might say, well, well, do you have to be a Christian to only do good in this world? I mean, is it only Christians who can do good works because they glorify God and they do what he says? And that's a great question, something that we should dive into. Very leading question that I just gave you there. No, it's a really good question. Because there's no doubt that there are many people in our world today that see the benefit of doing good for others. But... But as we see that happening, I think it raises a question for me and a little story to explain that. Um, who here had a pair of these back in the day? Anybody? Tom shoes? I was worried if this was going to cross cultures. I'm learning that it is, all right? Tom's hit all the markets, all right? Tom shoes, if you weren't aware of this, this is kind of a phase, uh, gosh, what, 15 years ago or something like that. And um, and I've said this before, I, I love shoes. So like, like it's just for me, when I saw this like craze happening, I was like, man, I got to get me a pair of Toms. And, uh, and Gretchen and I, we were newlyweds at the time when uh, this phase became a big thing. And I remember going to Gretchen and explaining to her uh, that I'd like to get a pair of Toms shoes because, you know, we now are married and we have to make decisions together. And, and, and she was like, okay, how much are they? I don't know, just $75. Gretchen's like, $75 for slippers? Are you kidding me? And you know what I said in defense of that? Probably words that you said. Yeah, but if I buy a pair, then somebody else in the world gets a pair. Right? And and when you think about that, Too often what can happen with our good work, when our intention is only thinking about ourselves in doing good, how shallow and wrong does that lead us to be? If our intention for doing good to somebody else is just so that someday I'll receive something good in return, I'm sorry, you're never going to do enough good to outweigh the bad. See, the intention behind what we do matters. And this is why I really believe that Paul puts these things together. You've been saved by grace through faith. This is not your own doing. So that no person may boast, but now you are chosen, now you are created to go and do good works. This is who our God is. 
We're chosen not by our works or through them, but to do. And it reminds me of having this conversation with Will, my friend, who had this guy pay for his milk. And I remember him at the very end of this story talking about this, this concept of, man, this is probably how God feels with me all the time. That he has given me something that is so great that I could not earn on my own. And what God desires for me to understand with that good gift of grace is it's not something that I just keep for myself, but it's something that I get to share with others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who (laughs) calls us to do good in this world, to do good works. And Lord, I pray that as we hear that challenge as your workmanship, that you are continuing to work on us, I pray that our, our intention, our why behind what we do is because of your grace and your mercy. God, you rose from the dead, and, and trusting in you brings that promise as well that we too will have a resurrection. So God, I thank you that you are a God who not only brings us life, but also calls us to follow your lead. It's in Jesus' name, amen.